0: Hey, everyone. Crime Town will be back with regular episodes next week. In the meantime, we're going to bring you a story that we couldn't quite fit into the season, but we still wanted to share. It features two people you probably remember, State Police Detective Brian Andrews.
1: I almost shaped my whole career on Tony Fiore, to be honest with you.
0: And Master Thief Tony Fiore.
2: He was assigned to me his whole career. They promoted him from patrolman to detective to... Everything there, went well, all the way up to the head of the state police. I made his whole career.
0: They circled each other for years.
2: Tony
1: was difficult to follow. Tony would purposely go into a neighborhood that he knew well, and he would go down a dead-end street, knowing it was a dead-end street.
2: I took Brian, I mean, he'll tell you, I took him down dead-end streets, you know, he followed me down a dead end street. Like, where am I going? Then I'd stop and I'd just look at him and shake my head.
0: But eventually, after bugging Tony's house, Brian finally arrested him.
1: Uh, I, I was pretty excited. I was I was fascinated by this whole thing. It, w- it was a great arrest.
2: I had guys tell me that they never saw anybody do time like me. They didn't understand it. I used to get up in the morning and I would run 15 miles a day, seven days a week. I would play pinochle. I would cook. I would cook for guys. I'd put on meals in the prison. I never, never let anything bother me.
0: Tony did his time and got out 10 years later, a new man, rehabilitated, finally ready to change his ways and go straight. Just kidding.
2: Every day I was up to no good, you know, that there wasn't a day that went by that I wasn't looking for something.
0: In this bonus episode, Tony gets into a new line of work. And one last time, he goes up against his old foe, Detective Brian Andrews. When Tony got out of prison in 1989, he started working at his dad's gas station driving a tow truck. One day, Tony's dad asked him to go tow a car in Fall River, Massachusetts.
2: So I go up there and it's in the uh, parking lot of a shopping market. So I'm over there and I'm backing up to the car and here comes this armored truck. He pulls up to the door. So I'm just standing and I'm watching him. So out comes this guy carrying this big bag he's carrying. You know, and I'm, I said, "Wow!" You know, it was a little, little, little shock guy about this big, and he's got this big bag. He opens the door, throws it in, and he gets in. And then they take off. I said, "Wow!" I said, "Look at that!" I says, "It was around one o'clock in the afternoon." I said, "I'll take a ride up there tomorrow." He says, "You know, I'm not doing nothing." So I go up to Fall River the next day in my car. One o'clock, it comes the armored truck. Back's right in front of the door, he parks. Guy gets out, goes in, comes out with this bag, back in and everything. I said, wow, I says, you know, how easy he'll be to get.
0: So, Tony devised a plan to do something he'd never done before. Rob an armored truck.
2: I got this kid, used to live right across from my father's gas station. Probably one of the best car thieves you ever known in your life. He could get in a car Steal that car faster than you could get in it with your key. I take him up the Fall River and I park my car in the lot. I said to the kid, all right, cross the street, I says, I want a four-door car, I don't care what it is, as long as you come in that parking lot where we can jump in the front and the back. I said, we can't be playing around. Yeah, yeah, he says. I said, now, when you see this armored truck pull up in front of this market, you get the car and come in this parking lot. I said, then you're going to see me you know, running towards the car when they get it. He said, all right. The truck comes. Me and the other kid go out, you know, we grab him. I get the bag. This cuckoo clock hits him over the head with the the pistol for for no reason, you know, Flips his head wide open and everything. I mean, the guy had a few stitches in the head and everything, but uh, he was all right. The truck takes off. We take off, you know, with the bag. How much money was in the bag? 175000 So now I said, wow. You know, this is easy.
1: I get information from an informant that Tony's doing armored cars
2: now.
0: By now, Brian Andrews had risen in the ranks of the Rhode Island State Police to become Detective Commander. And this new phase in Tony's life of crime, it surprised Brian.
1: Before then, I never really knew of Tony. Tony was a a burglar, a big burglar. And I never really knew him to carry a firearm. So he went from that to armed car robberies. I mean, that's how, you know, bold he was.
2: We went to uh, pick something up at the Emerald Square Mall.
0: The Emerald Square Mall is a shopping center in southern Massachusetts just across the state border from Rhode Island.
2: Now it's like quarter to three in the afternoon. We're coming out to come out the main door, and here comes this armored truck, and he parks right in front of the door. So we're sitting there, and we're watching. There's a Bank of America right there, and this guy comes out, and he's got this hand truck that you pulled, and it's stacked with bags. So I said, wow, and he wheels it out, goes to the back of the truck, opens the back door, and he throws them in one at a time, and they take off. I said, oh, look at that. I said, next day we go there, quarter to three, you know, like, like a clock. Here comes the truck, you know, same thing. We watched this for about a week. When the truck pulls up, a bus pulls up, and the guy's got a handicapped ramp on the bus. He lets in the people, you know, on wheelchairs or whatever, they help him in. So I says, what we gotta do, we gotta get a wheelchair.
1: When you take down armored cars, it's all in timing.
0: Again, Detective Commander Brian Andrews.
1: How can you get up close without the guards feeling threatened? How do you get the jump on the guards when they got the money?
2: I says, I'm going to sit you in the wheelchair. You know, my friend George, 90 years old.
0: George Chapdelaine was an elderly wise guy.
1: George Chapter Lane looked like your grandfather.
2: Tony was going to push George. So I said, George, you're gonna sit in the wheelchair with a blanket over your leg with the AK-47 under the blanket. Now this guy's gonna come walking out with the bags, and I'm gonna wheel you towards him. And then all you gotta do is just take the blanket off, and now you get the AK-47, you got him.
1: Because if you're the guard in the car, who's gonna think twice about some guy pulling up in a wheelchair? You're not even gonna pay attention. As soon as you get right on top of that, the blanket comes off, there you are right there.
2: So now we gotta plan our escape. So in the back of the building I'm looking, there's a hill, goes like a big embankment, and it goes up to the top of the hill, and there's a road up there. So I said to him, What we gotta do, we gotta get up that embankment. I says, we gotta run up that embankment, have a car there, and then take it off. So I'm thinking, I mean, the embankment's pretty steep, too, you know. I said, what about if we steal a Jeep, a four-wheel drive? I said, that'll go up that embankment. I says, you know, and we could just drive right up there. So we go. Up to where they park at the train station, people go to work. They park there as, you know, and so I look, I see this red Jeep. So I steal the
0: Jeep. But unfortunately for Tony, he wasn't alone. He was being watched the entire time.
3: So we were on Fiore, and they go into the commuter parking lot uh, up in Massachusetts, and they come out in a stolen Jeep wagon Wagoneer.
0: Now we know something's really going to happen. This is Jim Mullen. He was a detective assigned to the intelligence unit. Brian Andrews was his captain.
1: After they stole that Jeep Wagoneer and they kept it at Royal Crest Apartments, I had our guys sitting on that car because past experience has always shown that when the, when the, the truck moves, the car moves that's the day of the score because they're not going to be riding around in a stolen car the day that thing moves that's the day of the score now these guys are sitting on these on this car a week two weeks all day long i'm I'm burning these guys out i mean it was it was brutal so i pulled the guys off the wagon here now, it's probably 7.30 in the morning. I'm on my way into work in my cruiser. He gives me a radio call and says, the wagon has gone. You have got to be kidding me. As soon as I called our guys off, they moved the damn thing. Now, like, tension like you wouldn't believe. I tell him, get going, get some guys and start checking all the places that we knew these guys hung around or came from, because I'm worried it's going to be an armed car robbery and somebody's going to be killed.
0: It's March 29th, 1991. Jim Mullen searches high and low, trying to find Tony.
3: Tony comes out of his garage in a Jaguar that's stolen. We follow him. So much is going on. You know, and I need to always be talking to him, and what's what's I'm happening? I'm <laughs> I, I, I have, like, two phones. I have a driver. You know, I'm yelling at him. Go, go back, because now I've been on these guys for for years. This is going to make your whole career, for Christ's sakes. you, go, you yeah, this, know this, you're got to know the You know, this is it. This is, like, your... <clears throat> this was pretty big.
1: Yeah. Either yeah. Take, If you don't take it down, then get in that car, yeah, and, and they, don't ever
3: come back. And then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the way it was. All our guys now were on Tony. And then, well, we followed Tony over to where the staging area was at the Ann and Hope.
0: Ann and Hope is a discount retailer in New England. In the parking lot, the cops see a cluster of cars, including the stolen Jeep, and Tony's crew getting ready for the score. We, we let them
3: get dressed. They put on body armor, they hand out Machine guns, AK-47s. They go over to the Emerald Square Mall.
2: But when we pulled into the Emerald Square Mall, they got this divider. It separates the driveway in and out. And it's only a little, maybe 15-foot thing. There had to be six, seven guys in there working on it, like with a rake. And I'm looking, I said, wow. I said to the guy, I said, look at all these guys working on there. What kind of landscaping is this guy got? He can pay that many guys. They're doing this one little thing there. And then we went around the back of the building to get our car to make the move in. And there's a guy sitting there with a newspaper, I guess, and he's looking at me. And then when I look over, the newspaper would go up and down. And I told him, I said, "There's something wrong here." No, no, you're getting paranoid. I says, "Well, well, we'll go. You know, if you think I'm getting paid, we'll go. You know, but..." They're, this ain't right. Now, the truck come in. It was Good Friday. The truck was supposed to be there, three o'clock, quarter to three, and he got there like 1.30. I guess they didn't have that many stops.
3: Yeah, the truck came early. Yeah. The truck came early. Uh, oh yeah, the truck came early. So now the truck come in.
2: Now we wasn't set up because we're waiting quarter to three we're going to set up around 2 30 or something we're going to get in position i says we can't set up now i mean we can't be running around here and everything we're going to have to wait a day so now they're watching us what are they going to do you know watching us what are we going to do are we making a move or not i mean they're all over that parking lot i mean i think they had the whole state police barracks up there the fbi and everybody else
3: So now we got all these guys in two stolen cars, all these guns, right? And then, uh, you know, we make a decision. Brian makes a decision. Now we have to take them off. And uh, we do, box them in.
2: All of a sudden, I see this helicopter coming down into the lot and all these cars just coming from nowhere, you know, boxed us in. And Brian come over, he says, How you doing, Tony? I said, not too good, Brian. (laughs) It it
1: was like, for Tony, he wasn't stressed out. He didn't act. He was shocked. None of them did. Very, very respectful. None of them. Okay, I got caught. What am I going to do? I asked him, I said, what would you have done if one of those guards took out his gun and tried to foil the robbery. He said, that's why we were carrying guns. They They would have shot him. They would have killed him. It was at the tail end of my career. I mean, I was all done. I retired, I retired shortly thereafter. I was done. I never really appreciated all those good grabs that we did until after I had been retired for a few years. And then I looked back and I said, Jesus Christ, I can't believe we did that stuff.
0: Tony served 17 years in prison for that attempted robbery at the Emerald Square Mall. Do you have any regrets about any of this?
2: You know, I mean, I did a lot of time in prison. You know, I mean, a lot of time, but... I mean, prison prison total? well, probably 30, close to 30. That's the only regret. I mean, you know, you know, I lost everybody. You know, my mother died, my father died, my brother died while I was in prison. I mean, you know, I never went to any of their funerals, wakes or anything. They wouldn't let me go. I mean, you know, you go in and everybody, you come out, everybody's dead. I mean, but you know, nothing I could do.
1: a uniform police car in Tony's driveway.
2: <laughs> I you finish the story. <laughs> it was a, when I bought the house up there. Uh, After daughter,
0: Tony was released from prison, a reporter who knew both him and Brian put them back in touch. Over the years, they've gotten together a handful of times to trade old war stories.
1: It's funny, when you talked about stealing the car to rob the armored car, you talked about going to the uh, premium parking and you watched the keys. Yes. You saw the car you wanted because that's how we get into your house. We watched the valet, we watched you pull in, and we got your
2: keys. Did you follow my footsteps? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and yeah, then the That's how thing. I used to get all the cars. It was so easy. You go to the racetrack or you go to a restaurant where they got the preferred parking. You just watch the kid. Run.
0: Brian Andrews had a remarkable career in law enforcement. After the state police, He did security for a private company called G-Tech. Now, he's retired and lives in Florida. These days, Tony has a pretty normal life in Rhode Island. He's got a new crew now, a painting crew. It's a little less glamorous than robbing armored cars, but it's a living.
2: Well, you know, like Brian will tell you, he followed me like a knows what scores I did, and I never stopped. Like Have you
1: uh, see, Lieutenant Mullen sitting in the car reading the newspaper <laughs> <in> the <left? laughs>
0: Next week, Crime Town's back with a full episode, featuring a very special comeback. This was Providence, before the vision of a new young mayor started to pull it back from disintegration. That young mayor was Buddy Cianci. Now the city needs that vision and strength once again. And even though he's a little older, he never stopped caring about Providence.